Welcome back to Coffee with Craner. This is an exciting episode. It's my 100th interview. Um, and I started this show back in June 2020. And today I have a very, very special guest, uh, Mr. Barry Zeckelman, joining the podcast today. He's the executive chairman and CEO of Zeckelman Industries, the largest independent steel pipe and tube manufacturer in North America. Was born and raised in Windsor, uh, received his early education in Windsor, and then later attended York University in Toronto. And he's also the founder of the Stephanie and Barry Zuckelman Foundation and really has donated millions um, in our community to local organizations here in Windsor, Essex. Mr. Zuckelman, thank you for making the time. I'm so excited to get started. Oh, thank you, Lyndon. Pleasure to be here and uh, honored to be your 100th guest. So great. Thank you. And um, every question I start off on the podcast is relating to coffee. It's Coffee with Craner. Where in Windsor, Essex would you say is your favorite place for coffee? And it can't be at home. Well, well, it, it actually is, but but you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm a Tim Hortons guy. So, you know, my uh, my routine when I went to the Harrow plant every day was, uh, you, you know, grabbing my Tim Hortons on the way. And usually, it was either at uh, at the corner of uh, um, it was uh, a Walker Road heading out uh, heading out when I used to live down down uh, on Devonshire. But then uh, later on, it would be at um, uh, County Road 42 and uh, and Manning. I grab my coffee and head out to Harrow. So you know, it was in my car actually. <laughs> Very cool. And now it's at home, and you're brewing it on your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am now. Uh, the the first real question: um, What was would you say? I, I, I from under, from my understanding and reading online and, and learning more about you, uh, you took over uh, the business at at a, at a young age. Um, yeah. What would you say was was a big hurdle for you when you unexpectedly had to take over um, this business at was it 19 years old? Yeah, yeah, I, a couple couple weeks after my 19th birthday, and and, and you know my brother also uh, uh, was both of my brothers were put in the same spot. Uh, one one brother Clayton, who's two years younger than me, and my older brother Alan, who's four years older than me. Uh, you know, we we found ourselves in the you know in the fire, so you know it was uh, it was a survival mode. And uh, was uh, you were in university, I believe, at the time when this yeah, I, was at York, I was at I was in my first year at York, um, you know, you know, trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to to do and be, and uh, and uh, you know, life life uh, life dealt me the cards that uh, uh, I said this is what you're going to do. So you know, I mean, out of a tragedy came you know um, you know a silver lining right in the dark cloud. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I believe life has a way of balancing itself out like that, you know, with, you know, when, when there's bad things, there's also good things that, that, that can come of them. So, um, you know, we found our career and our, and our love. So, I, I mean, it was a huge challenge because it was really a business that was very much struggling and probably actually about to close down. So it was losing, you know, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a month, and there were five employees there, and we could barely run the machines, and didn't have money to buy steel or, you know, uh, even customers to ship it to. So it was, <laughs> I mean, it was interesting. I mean, looking back at it today, uh, when I look at businesses like that, I just kind of run. Um, but <laughs> but it just shows you that you, you never discount them, right? I mean, when there's people that are willing to put their heart and soul into it, and um, and have a great team around them and you have new ideas and, and, and a I can attitude instead of I can't, 
um, you know, watch out. It's it's powerful. I mean, we we really shouldn't exist today. We were the smallest player, uh, you know, for sure in Canada and, and and arguably in North America, and here we are now the largest. So you know, I I mean, don't don't bet against uh, don't bet against will and uh, willpower and and team effort and uh, and looking at things a different way. And how were you able to? turn it around. There's a lot of moving parts. So this might be a complex question, but um, what was that turning point in this business? How did you do it? Yeah, Linda, I think, I think we, we just started to approach things in, in, in a real logical manner of, you know, we've got to get costs down. Uh, we have to get equipment running and we have to be able to have a customer. So we started to attack each one of those problems and align it. We aligned ourselves with, you know, some pretty good people that advised us. I mean, in the early days, um, you know, I had nobody except for who I knew, knew my father. So, you know, Jeff Slopen, who was our family attorney, was a, a you know great sounding board. I probably called him five times a day. Um, uh, certainly Max and Dean Zalev were, were guys I leaned on a, a lot. A gentleman in Toronto, Barry Siegel, who was a sales agent, um, and Gordon Berger, who helped us get customers. So, you know, those were people I was on the phone with literally two, three, four times a day and um, and just started to attack things. I mean, we spent 20 hours a day at the plant and learned how to run the equipment and learned how to fix it and and figure out you know, you know what what to improve on and um, and just go from there. It was literally hour by hour. And this this leads into another fascinating uh, discussion. So I, I interviewed Brian Schwab for my 99th yeah. interview and he, as same as you, took over a business at a young age in an insurance company. How did you convince people that you were selling to at 19 to trust me to invest in this company? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it was tough. I, I I knew that it was would be hard for me to get my foot in the door. That's why we hired us. Had that sales agent Barry Siegel, um, uh, who uh, who certainly helped us out and was a credible guy in the industry. So brought me along with him. Um, I, I think more importantly was was just getting banks, right? I mean, I literally started at the the foot of uh, Riverside Drive and uh, and Olette and w- went from bank to bank to see who would who would take us on. And uh, you know, I, I think I got to the last bank on, on the street there, at T- Toronto Dominion, and they were there for us. And they said, "Look, we'll 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 play this out for a little bit, but you got to start making money, and you can't burn through cash." Um, and it, it was funny because I was taking some night courses at the University of Windsor in business and other things, trying to still keep my education going. And I, and, and I, I, and they, they would talk about a business plan and going to a bank. And I'm like, I just did this. This isn't how it works. So I, I quit school and uh, dedicated all my time, uh, of course, to, uh, uh, to the business. But yeah, you know, literally we were, I mean, it was, it was week by week. I didn't have money to, to pay the guy who dropped off the carpet runners. So we, we, or even, you know, ironically pay for the coffee, um, uh, colonial coffee used to deliver coffee there. And, and sometimes I tell them, look, can I pay you next week? You know, so, yeah. And when was a, a, a turning point for this business when you really started to see things take off? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, and I've said this before, our business is built on empowerment and, and our teammates um, you, you know, I, I'll, I'll cut the path through the forest, but everyone else has to clean up the trees. 
and uh, and, and make it happen and, and, and you know, you know, you know, cut the lumber and, and, and do that stuff and get it to market. And, and of course, I'm involved with all of it. But, you know, I, I really realized that the, the, the power was empowering our people. The greatest asset mm-hmm. is our teammates. And, you know, we, we came up with a solution of um, a gain sharing program where, you know, I put more control in, into the guys on the floor, their hands, and they could affect the outcome of, of their uh, their earnings, uh, the safety, the quality, all of those things. And, you know, it's kind of you have to give up control to get control. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was tough at first. You had to convince them that, that it would work. And um, once it caught on, it, you know, it just snowballed. And, um, you, you know, you look at uh, that, that plant in Harrow, it's the greatest team ever. I, I mean, and, and we've transferred a lot of that to our other plants. Um, uh, but but none of, none of them are still as good as Harrow. I mean, they're just, you know, they're, they're fantastic. And that's because that's where it started. Um, but it became a very, very powerful tool. And, and I've never forgotten that. So everything is based on giving control and empowerment to, to our team. Uh, respecting them, you know, you can learn something from everyone every day. Uh, um, you, you know, we don't think anyone's better than anybody else. We all do it together, and um, and it's a great environment. So it, it's it's fun to work in that way. I you know it's um it's it's this isn't work for me. I, I haven't worked a day in my life. It's this is it's just been a lot of fun, and um, you, you know I, I I mean that when I say it. I don't get up saying oh my god I got to go to work. Uh, I, I can't wait to do what I do. So yeah, it's, it's great. So it was really the team that was the, the biggest uh, advantage and helped push the company further. It wasn't necessarily an acquisition or um, cutting costs. It, it was really the team that that allowed well, everything well, else to go into place. Yeah, well, Lyndon, those things drive that, right? That, that that team drives that. I mean, you drive them the ability to gain gain more business. You drive the ability to satisfy the customer. Uh, you find other solutions. You lower costs by 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 doing that because everyone's engaged, and um, and and certainly moves along the way were huge. I mean, we we made very timely acquisitions. Uh, we spent capital in a in a timely way and and a prudent way. Um, we um, uh, we certainly tr- uh, approached the, the the business in a different way. That, that no one else in the industry had. And those are the quick turnaround times to lower the amount of working capital on our customer's floor and, and service them better so they can gain customers. Um, we spent a lot of money and time developing the product and showing how it competed with, with you know, or how, how it was better than competing products. And, um, and we took a lot of chances. You know, we, we did. We were on the bleeding edge of many technologies and, and still are. Um, you know, I spend... You know, at least two hundred million dollars a year on on capex in in our plants, whether they're new plants or new capital, uh, uh, new equipment, or or things to make it safer uh, mm-hmm. uh, for our teammates, which is always the focus. Um, uh, you know, a lot of automation because it's hard to get em- employees now. It's hard to bring teammates in uh, to the business, and we want to show that these are great places to work, and you you can make a great living there. But so all of those things. Uh, yeah, one feeds off the other, but but it starts with people. I, I I don't care what equipment you have, I don't care you know what customers you have. If you don't have a happy, engaged, um, empowered workforce, you know, uh, you're you're just not going to be in the lead. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to work. Definitely. 
Um, and I, I know we only have a few minutes here, but I wanted to uh, just ask uh, another follow-up question going back to being, being a young entrepreneur at uh, 19. What is, would you say, because I have a lot of young people that are watching the show, what is one mistake you often see young entrepreneurs make? Well, they, they, they chase the money, right? And, and you, you, if you're chasing money, you'll never get it. You know, um, you, you've got to chase excellence, right? And, and you've got to be passionate about what you do and love what you, if you don't like what you're doing and you think you're just doing it to make money, you, you're just not going to get there or you won't, you won't stay there for very long. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, you do what you love to do, believe in it and um, uh, surround yourself with a great team and success will come. And, 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 and you can't, uh, everyone tries to measure success in, in dollars and, and, and people will say, oh, it's easy for you to say, Barry, you know, um, but it didn't start that way. And, it, you know, and I've never chased it that way. You know, I, I, I've measured success and how good we are, how, how satisfied uh, our customers are. Actually, one of my lines is I don't want to ever have a satisfied customer. I want them to want more. So, you know, just be great at what you do. And, and success will come in many forms. And some of it might be dollars. Uh, some of it might be helping communities or changing lives and, um, and your own personal satisfaction. I know, a lot of, I know a lot of very wealthy people who aren't very happy. So to me, they're not successful. So you know, be, be careful how you define success and, and be passionate about what you do and stick, stick to your knitting, right? You're, you're, I don't care who you are. You, no one has the Midas touch in everything. Just stick to your knitting. Excellent. No, thank you. Thank you for that. And two quick questions before I, sure. I let you go here. Uh, going on the topic of philanthropic work, the Stephanie and Barry Zuckelman Foundation um, has contributed immensely in Windsor-Essex. What drives this, this mindset of giving back in, in your life? Well, I, I learned from a very young age, uh, you, you know, about charitable organizations. My father and mother were very passionate about it. Um, and, and, and we kind of saw what that did for them and for the community. Um, and, and look, I I mean, this is the community we live in, we, we work in, we, we derive our, our, our success and our, our, you know, everything from, so, I mean, how could I not reinvest in that? You know, I, I, I mean, when I give money to St. Clair college, when, when my wife and I give money to St. Clair college, I need them more than they need me. You know, I, I'm not going to exist without them putting out, you know, uh, 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 great young, young, young people with dreams and aspirations and education and wherewithal to then possibly come help us uh, 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 do our jobs, but also help everybody else in the community do their jobs who will eventually help me. They'll buy product from me, builds the community. Um, and, and the strength in a community is, is everything. So, you know, when we have a community breakdown and it's not there, just business isn't going to survive. It's not going to prosper. You have to have all of that. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to, um, you know, you know, just cause I have the nicest house or the, a nice house on that street. I want everybody else's house to be nice, equally as nice. I want everyone to succeed. I mean, it's just happiness, right? You know, I want everyone to be fulfilled in what they do and have an opportunity to be fulfilled in what they do. And unless we reinvest in the community, just like I reinvest in equipment in our plant and things, then your community is not going to grow and prosper. It has to have the right tools. 
Um, it has to have uh, uh, safety nets to take care of people who might have fallen on hard times and need to take care of themselves or need to wean themselves off of you know certain vices. Um, education is, is big, and, um, and 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 so is is physical fitness and awareness and teamwork and all of those things. So you'll see our our donations are all centered around those types of things that that drive and build the community. I mean, the Atlas Tube Center is a spot where all of these housing developments build around because parents and families know they have a place to go and um and and, and you know as a center that that provides a lot of different needs for people so um, i mean it's just a it's a given it's not uh and, and look you know in the end it also makes us feel good i mean we do we feel very proud about it mm -hmm. well i imagine you hear it often but it's uh much appreciated um to have you know to have somebody um investing in the community that where they started their business, giving back and um, really creating a better place that'll then, you know, su support the skilled trades and support people that are going to be entering your business. And um, when, you know, when we all contribute, we can all thrive. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I would say that, you know, just one thing I, I, I want to add, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people should not frown or look down upon people who get their fingernails dirty for a living. Uh, yeah. I, I think we forgot about that and we're, we're paying the price today. I mean, it's hard to get a plumber or a drywaller or a carpenter or a, a machinist or a millwright or, or, or a PLC technician. Um, you know, those are extremely coveted and valuable jobs. And, and, and all of those people who work with their hands, uh, I, I mean, they should be, they should be looked up upon, not down upon. They're, they're incredible at what they do. Um, walk a mile in their shoes, you know, work, work a 10 or 12 hour day or on a job site or stuff. I still do it. I still, I'm still spend. I I'll, I'm going to Rochelle, Illinois next week. I'm going to probably be spending 15, 16 hours a day on the plant floor in a new plant we're bringing up there. And cause I want to know what's going on. I want to feel it. And I want to be reminded of just how tough it is, uh, to do that day after day. So, um, um, you know, and, and it's great. It's a great career. So people should look to go do that more than they do to go get a piece of paper with a, you know, a, a liberal arts degree. I mean, go get a trade. And how, how do you, because this is a, something that we, we're, you know, the provincial government's facing and uh, really any workforce is trying to get more people into skilled <laughs> trades. How do you think we do that? Well, well, first and foremost, I think it's up to industries like ours to go showcase that and show them how cool of a place it is to work, um, the money you can make, um, and the rewards that come with it. And, and, and you know, remember that, again, it, it doesn't mean you're stuck in that rut. You know, I have a friend of mine who, uh, who started an air conditioning repair business at 15 years old and um, uh, not much education at all, right? Just seat of his pants. And, and uh, he grew it into a business with 400 trucks on the road, the largest uh, um, uh, AC a uh, guy in the U.S. independent, and um, um, I ju just sold his business for seven hundred billion dollars. Wow! So just because you're an air conditioning repair person, right? Okay. So then you hire someone to work with you, and you got one truck, and then it's two, and then it's three, and then it's four, and and you learn business lessons. Like it, it's incredible. And there are thousands of these stories. Look across Windsor. I mean, look at the the tool and dye industry, the mold industry in Windsor, where guys worked as a mold maker and then opened up their own little shop and look what they've created. And now they're huge businesses and they're global leaders. 
Mm -hmm. That's how it starts. So, um, you know, uh, if, if you've got a dream and you've got a talent and you like to work with your hands and you're talented, go do it, go pursue it. It doesn't mean you're just stuck there. Oh, I'm going to be an, you know, an electrician for your whole life. And that's nothing wrong with that. It's great. And you can make a lot of money and, and enjoy yourself. Some people aren't cut out for managing everything. Like a guy like me does. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> it takes its toll, but um, we have to show them that. And, and, and we have a responsibility as, as, business leaders and industry to show people the opportunities that are, that are there. And, um, you know, uh, that's my job. My, my, my job is to create other job creators, right? It just grows the economy and it takes care of the community and everybody prospers. And uh, um, so we, we work hard at that. Yeah. But we've got to get the message out. Absolutely. Showing that, that long-term opportunity that's out there for, for those jobs, for sure. Um, Final question. I'll let you go. Uh, where do you see yourself 10 years from now, uh, with whether it's Zuckman Industries, uh, you still want to be in the business? Where do you think things will be in 10 years? I can't ever imagine doing anything else. You know, so uh, if I'm not sitting right in this chair in 10 years doing exactly this and maybe your uh, uh, 2000s interview or something, uh, I would be very shocked. You know, it, it, it will only be because of something took me out, you know, but no way. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm game. I have more energy now than I ever had more pathway than I, I you know, I, I can possibly imagine uh, more things we want to, we want to do and accomplish. And, and, and it's just fun. I mean, it's a lot of fun. So why would I, why would I ever give this up? You know, people say, oh, are you going to retire? I'm like, retire from what? I told you, I don't work. This is what I do. It's life. You yeah. know, uh, I, I, I breathe it in every day and I, I, I can't imagine doing anything else. Why leave when you're having fun? No, absolutely. It's, it's just great. I mean, I love seeing people in our organization succeed. I love tinkering. I love new plants. I love new technology. Um, you know, I love the growth. I like being able to drive down any street and see our product, you know, within 20 feet of me, right. Going into yeah. something and, and, and it, it's everywhere, you know, so, um, it's rewarding and, uh, and, uh, it's a lot of fun. Speaking of fun, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I appreciate you sharing your wealth of knowledge. Um, and I know how busy you are, but it, it really means a lot having you on as my 100th guest. I've been showcasing a lot of local uh, entrepreneurs uh, in Windsor, Essex, and this was just a, a great conversation. And Mr. Zuckerman, I, I appreciate you being here. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. And look, to, to my point, you, you know, th this is what you love to do. You've got 100 episodes under your belt, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more. And you're going to move on to even bigger things while you're honing your skills. So this is exactly what I'm talking about. Keep doing what you love to do and, and hats off to you. Thank you. For those watching, if you missed this, catch it on coffeewithcraner.com. Thank you for being here.